Don't forget, they got putters now, so go check them out. Joining us now, he is the editor for Golf Digest. Mike Johnson joins us. Mike, welcome into the golf shop. Well, uh, hearing your promotion for Kiowa being up here in Connecticut, I'm ready to go and play golf. <laughs> they'll, they'll be waiting for your call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we do give away a, a, like a, a Father's Day a whole package that actually has Kiowa in it. So, like, you get a free stay in some rounds of golf, one on the ocean course. So, there you go. It's a great facility. I've oh, been man. there. Highly recommend it. Oh, it's so good. So uh, the the 2020 hot list, uh, you, you're uh, you're a direct part of this, uh, the hot list in general. Uh, first, I want to ask you, uh, how has this hot list evolved over the years? Where is it? Where kind of did it start, and where has it gone in the years that you've uh, been involved in this? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a far cry over the 17 years. I mean, the first year we we put it together and. Uh, you know, no one had really ever rated equipment before. They reviewed it, but they didn't rate it. And we set about to do it, and we thought, you know, man, we have, we're really buttoned up here. You know, we've got, like, six people testing clubs, and, you know, we're sitting around the table hashing out technologies and all that. We thought, man, we're we're really buttoned up. What we found out is we were anything but uh, buttoned up that first year. Uh, but by, you know, reaching out to manufacturers who were re- – quite frankly, very upset the first time we did it. Uh, we said, come on, how, we're going to do this. How do we make this better? And, and because of some of their input, uh, you know, we now have more than 20 player testers. We have eight leading academics who kind of walk us through the uh, technologies of the clubs. We have six leading retailers who tell us what resonates with consumers. Uh, we have launch monitors. We have fitters on site. Um, we get over 2,000 pages of technical documents from the manufacturers explaining what they do. So, um, you know, now it's kind of a nine-month process. So it's a little bit like having a baby. Yeah, and, uh, you know, is, is, is it still – does it still come down to with the people that are testing? I mean, there there are obviously, and I know you get to compile all the numbers, but some people just kind of like the certain sound and they like the certain feel of a certain type of club, and um, they're going to be drawn to it no matter what. I mean, sometimes it's the looks that's going to overdo it. So, so there's always a bias, I guess, with with people. But uh, you know, once you start compiling all the numbers and putting all the data together, I mean, you still come up with a pretty good list and and uh, a pretty good rating system. Um, so, but it is kind of interesting, probably watching this whole process go down and seeing what people say about certain equipment. No doubt about. It. I mean, there are biases and there aren't biases. Uh, our our panelists are super good, and and it is their instruction right from jump that you know you're to have no expectations, whether good or bad, of a product. But to your point, you know how people buy golf clubs, the look of it, the sound of it, the feel of it are very important. And that's why that accounts for 25% of our, of our score. Um, you know, robots are great, but they don't buy golf clubs. Yeah. And yeah. most people, if they don't like the look, the sound, and the feel of a club, aren't going to buy it. So, um, you know, it's also one of the reasons we have one editor with every two player testers. Mm. So if, if I'm watching a guy and he's snipe hooking it, and he comes back and says, man, you just can't beat the performance of this Acme driver – we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> so, you know, we do have safeguards in place against that. We we review very heavily the scores and the comments year after year afterward to make sure, you know, player A is not just 
in love with, you know, Titleist or Cleveland or Callaway or whoever it may be. Um, so we, we try to take as much of that out of the equation as humanly possible while, while understanding we're still dealing with human beings. Yeah. Mike, the thing that, uh, the thing that I'm seeing is I, I feel like we've just got product overload out there. And I, and I think the consumer, at least for me, you know, if I've got a choice of seven different irons that are all tested well, I mean, I don't have any idea what I really want to hit. Is that, does that fit what's going on out there as far as the consumer is concerned? You are absolutely correct. And I think uh, one of our frustrations has always been, uh, you know, this year we tested 240-plus clubs wow. and 130 made the list. So so we weeded out 110 of them for you right off the bat. Right. Our frustration has been how do we help you? You know, if we put 12 irons, players' irons on the list, how do we get you down to three or four that you know are right for yeah, you? Right. Now, now, if you read what we've written carefully and, and, and really look into it, you can kind of get there. But we know that's a lot to ask of people. So this year we actually have a new interactive tool online where we're going to ask you essentially three binary questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you answer yes, no, or I do, I don't, whatever. And it'll come out with a recommendation anywhere from three to six clubs. And so we're we're trying to take you one step closer. Uh, We're never going to say this club is for you, even though it's the most frequently asked question we get, because I've never seen you swing. I don't know what your body type is. I don't know if you're one degree up or one inch over. I don't know any of that. But there are certain traits among players that you can kind of narrow it down to and say, here are three or four or five clubs that are really worth your consideration. You take it from here. Yeah. Now, I mean, are you still getting uh, all the clubs from all the manufacturers? I mean, is everybody sending them to you now? I mean, I know there were times in the past where maybe some companies didn't send them to you and whatnot. I mean, is everybody, uh, is everybody agreed that this is a way to go and they're sending them to you now? Yeah, we, we, are, we are very fortunate um, that pr- virtually every company of note, those of, you know, not note, uh, are all in. A couple of years ago, uh, PXG uh, said they weren't going to send clubs in, and uh, we just went out and bought the PXG clubs mm-hmm. and tested them. So, <laughs> um, you know, that that's what we're going to do. Uh, it, it's kind of our written policy that if there's a product of note in the marketplace and a manufacturer decides not to participate, if we can obtain those clubs, we're going to do it. Mm. Uh, I think, thankfully, uh over 17 years, we've earned the respect of the industry. They might not always agree with the result, but I think they feel that our process is pretty thorough and, and an earnest effort, and uh, they'd rather be all in than all out. Does Is there a fine balance? I mean, it seems like, you know, there's, uh, there's so many clubs that come out in, in such a short frequency. I mean, you know, Back in the day, we used to maybe see a new set of irons every couple of years from manufacturers. Now, where it's like you know, we're almost to the point where we're like in the computer age, where we're getting something every six months. Exactly. And if you're six yeah. months, uh, your clubs are six months old, they're behind the curve. Um, is there really a, a fine balance between um, the price you're paying and the technology that you're getting? I mean, what are you guys finding between? You know, I mean, because we know PXG is probably one of the extremes in terms of the cost. Um, you know, is there is, is the cost of some of these clubs 
versus the the I guess the technology and the distance or the accuracy that you're getting out of them is there a point where it's not worth it or is there a point where there's a something that's really good priced and really accurate and really long and there's a nice value there is, is there kind of a fine line yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's almost like asking someone who buys a Mercedes, though, is is it really worth it? I mean, you know, my my Honda CRV still gets me where I'm going, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, for PXD, their price is two times or two times plus what most clubs are. Is it two times better? Of course not. There, no, no golf club is two times better uh, than another club. But there's a certain status that goes with owning that club. There's a certain experience that goes with getting fit for those clubs. And, and some people, much like people who buy a Mercedes or, or Lexus or whatever, they, they enjoy having that status symbol and that experience. Uh, on the other end, though, yes, there, there are definitely some clubs that are uh, on the lower end of the price spectrum that, that are very, very good. I mean, you look this year, the Cleveland driver, uh, was a gold medal winner on the hot list, and, and that is $100 less than most drivers. And it's a really good club. There's also a, you know, when people say, well, golf clubs are too expensive, you know, they're definitely expensive, and they're a considered purchase now, much like you would buy a television or a washer and dryer. But there is a big used club market out there, and, you know, people in your relative neck of the woods, global golf, uh, you know, they're a leader in that. So if you... Mm-hmm. If you want really good golf clubs and you can't afford new, take take a look at the used club market. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's interesting that uh, you know you start talking about and and I always say it. I mean, I think you know people say, well, there's such a, a an investment for somebody that wants to get into the game of golf, and I'm like, look, you know, the average golfer. When these companies come out and say that the average, go- you know, that you're going to gain 20 yards. Well, you know, you're going to gain 20 yards if your swing speed is 120 miles an hour yeah. with the driver. With the average golfer's swing speed is going to be around, you know, 85 miles an hour. And they might get a yard and they might be a little bit more accurate. Can a yard help them? Certainly. But, you know, the average golfer or a new golfer could go out and get a brand new set of golf clubs that are two or three years old. And they're going to be getting just as much out of that as as uh, as somebody that uh, is buying the new set of clubs. So I mean, there's there's a fine balance there too, isn't there? No doubt about it. And, and I think uh, some players can get 20 yards. Everyday players who swing 90 miles an hour if they haven't been fit for their clubs before. You know, if you are playing really ill-fit golf equipment, there are tremendous gains to be had for you. Uh, but to, more to your point, the real point is. There's value if you want to find it, if you, if you want to work and look for it. And, and you will find improvement in that. And, you know, we're, while we're very proud of our hot list and, and how it uh, looks at the new crop of equipment, if you want to go in the used club market and know what's good, go look at our 2018 hot list or 2017 hot list. Mm-hmm. And you'll see what clubs from that time frame we thought really performed well and for what kind of golfer they performed well for. So, um, you know, while I understand the concern about cost, uh, there are definitely ways around it, whether it's golf equipment, golf courses, or whatever. I, I mean, I've played a lot of great golf courses where I paid a $28 green fee over the last year. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, when you guys are testing the clubs, I mean, do you, uh, with all the technology now in like places like Club Champion and the, all the all the testing facilities that there are, I mean, are you guys allowing your testers to uh, change shafts out and and do setting adjustments and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, one one of the great things that uh, again it was a recommendation of the manufacturers. They said, "How can we improve our process?" They said, "Look." We have all these adjustable features. Are they adjusting them? And are they adjusting them correctly? So now we have fitters on site helping our players do that. I mean, walking the range, uh, they actually do a pre-fit before the testers even start. And so, you know, they have a baseline to start from. And then they're observing them. And if they're hitting driver or fairway wood, it's adjustable. Um, or wedges and there are multiple grinds available. They'll, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm watching you. It looks like you're not quite getting the most out of it. Let's try this. Because we, we definitely want our testers uh, hitting clubs in the best setting for them to evaluate. That's kind of our ultimate thing. It's like do what you can do best to where you can make the fairest evaluation of this golf club. And so getting in the right fit is a very important part of that. You know, Mike, um, I still hit a 2008 Ping G10 driver, and I don't hit anything better than I've ever hit this Ping G10 driver. Is is that an oddity in today's club world, or is that just, uh, I mean, it could be psychological. I don't know, but I I hit this thing really, really well, and I'm not into mechanically adjust. I, I'm not mechanical at all, so adjusting something, I, I don't have the patience for it, and, and I just don't want to do it. Am I like a rare thing out there now as far as a consumer would be in, in looking at new drivers? As an equipment editor, you disgust me. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, I won't ask no, any more questions. I, no, it, it, and, and I'll, I'll make a confession. Uh, you know, people look at me very oddly because I have a Ping G15 hybrid in my bag, okay. which I refer to as the greatest club in the history of golf. And, and, and I know there are better hybrids out there. There are much better clubs technologically and performance-wise than that club. As I know, you know, I can beat your, your G10 driver 10 ways till Sunday. Mm -hmm. But I, I do understand that there is a comfort that comes with playing a club that you feel ultra-confident yes. with. And, and if you're ultra-confident in a club, you're probably going to swing it a little better, a little less tentatively, and it could possibly make up a little bit for the shortcomings in technology. Sure. Still, that said, I think if you went out and really compared it to today's modern crop, you would see significant benefit. I mean, especially on the off-center hit. The yeah. gains on the off-center hit now are leaps and bounds above what it was 10 years ago. Well, well, Mike, man, we really appreciate you coming on with us, giving a little bit of insight into the hot list. Uh, you guys do a great job. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Hey, Mike, I'll buy a new driver this year. How's that? <laughs> do I still disgust uh, you now? You know what? Now I love you so much. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. You got it. Take care, guys. Okay. That's